journalist, not a terrorist. Welcome to Nehara in America, and this is the second part of the interview with Hector Brellis, the last narc, a DA agent over 30s experience, who was in charge of the Kiki Camarena investigation. So then you went to the thinking guy says, are you going to go out too, or are you going to tell me where the cocaine is hidden? Of course, the guy cooperated. I mean, he didn't want to be thrown out the plane. Yeah. I never saw that guy again. I don't know what happened to him, I guess. Sharp, I mean, I don't even know what his name was. No, it's, dude, there's no I game. I told myself, welcome, welcome no to back. Mexico. Yeah, that that moment you realize the the laws are totally different. It's not. Uh, that's pretty amazing to watch that. And just sit there and, and see that and be a part of that must have been. Uh, that's when you realize you're, you weren't in Kansas anymore. You're in Mexico. There's an old saying in Mexico: "Nothing ever happens in Mexico, but if something ever happens, remember nothing ever happened." So now, exactly. now you're you've done well in the DA at this point. Mexico, you're. You've, 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 you've worked with the, all the organizations there. You know the wife. Tell us now, you know, a big part of this book is about Kiki Camarena. You were put in charge of, uh, of uh, investigating his murder, correct? Yes. They had spent five years, the DEA had spent five years bringing in specialized units out of New York to the border, to Los Angeles, to Tijuana, to investigate Kiki's murder. Mm-hmm. Now, these gentlemen here were very, very good agents, and I do not take anything away from them. However, they had no knowledge of how things operated in Mexico, and none of them spoke Spanish. <laughs> so they messed around with the investigation for five years. They arrested three low-level soldiers that supposedly were involved. They were involved in Kiki's murder. Mm-hmm. They were just low-level pistoleros. And they could never get an eyewitness somebody that was actually at the scene that could say, this is what happened to Kiki. This is where he was brought. This is where he was tortured. This is who interrogated him. This is what happened to him. This is how and where he died. Mm. All we had was the forensics, and we had, of course, um, really nobody that, that could tell us what happened. So after I got in a horrendous shootout in Mexico, which was the largest shootout, in the history of the DEA, it was an over two-hour machine gun battle in, in Sinaloa, mm-hmm. which, by the way, I was brought back and given the Attorney General's Award for Heroism because I actually, we actually saved five five Mexican feds that were bleeding to death. They were all shot up during that big shootout. It's called the uh, it's the Corner of the Field Shootout. If anybody's interested, you can you can uh, Google it and just Google Blood on the Corner, and, you'll, and there's a big write-up on that shootout. Which is to this day the longest recorded shooter in the history of DEA. Two, two hours. Well, that's, that's a, yeah, that's a huge firefight. That's I don't, I don't, that's that, a battle. That, that that is that is longer than, than any firefight in Vietnam. Usually the firefights in Vietnam were five to ten minutes long. Yeah, this is hours. But anyway, to get to your point, where uh, where we're getting to the uh, Camarena case and how I was assigned to it. In that shootout, we killed some major traffickers and. Miguel Felix Gallardo put a warrant on my head 
put orders to arrest, to kill me, to kill me because I had killed some of his people. And what was the what was the reward he, on your head? What's that now? What was the reward on your head? What amount? Did you find out? Uh, he didn't say what he was going to pay. Honestly, I'm, I'm, I don't remember if there was any even amount mentioned. They just said, you have to kill this guy. Okay. And he was a major drug lord. The DEA intercepted calls and so did the CIA that they were they were going to come get me. And they almost got me. They almost uh, kidnapped my wife and my daughter. They barely escaped from them. Mm-hmm. They were at the beach and they tried to get him and they ran into into a neighbor's house. And But they almost grabbed him. Yeah. And uh, I stayed back after they tried to kidnap my wife and daughter and uh but they kept intercepting calls you gotta get this guy you gotta get Berrias, you gotta get him me well finally the da says hector get out and so they evacuated me out so you were uh, out, out of now country, they, out of you, that got you out of mexico that incident got you out of mexico right they got me out of mexico and while i'm waiting to be reassigned i get a call from the administrator of the dea and he says hector he says um i want you to take over the uh, enrique camarena murder case we still don't know what happened to Kiki. After five years, we don't have an eyewitness. We need you to help us try to find some eyewitnesses, which I told them that I would. Mm-hmm. And uh, so after I came on the case, I went back to Washington. And uh, so he, he basically told me, listen, he says, uh, I picked you because you're very aggressive. You know Mexico. You speak Spanish. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, want, I, I, I want you to solve this case. I want you to get me some eyewitnesses. I want to know... What happened to Kiki from the time they picked him up to the time they killed him? We don't have any eyewitnesses. Can you do that? And I said, yes, I can do that. He also told me, he says, can you kidnap somebody for me? Can you conduct an extraterritorial rendition? And I said, what is that? Yeah, so said, let me get that word again, <laughs> phrase again, an extra- extraterritorial rendition. An extraterritorial rendition. Basically, you're kidnapping Extra- a national from another country. It's a legal term. Mm-hmm. Constitutional kidnapping is what it is, a legal term. Lawyers don't talk like we do. You know, they, they yeah. have to have these sophisticated words. I didn't know what it was. I said, well, what, what's an extraterritorial rendition? What do you want me to do? Can you kidnap somebody mm-hmm. in Mexico? Yeah. I said, I've done it before, so I think I can kidnap again. He says, you have? And I said, yes. I said, okay. Can you kidnap... The doctor for me, the doctor that injected Camarena with drugs. So this doctor oh, just, who, who was keeping Camarena alive to extract even more information or just basically to keep him alive, to keep torturing him, correct? So this, that, is, that is exactly correct. He was injecting lidocaine into Kiki's heart to keep the, the heart from uh, basically, heart it attack. makes the heart pump faster, mm-hmm. okay? It activates the heart because when, when the body... Is, is being tortured to protect itself, it goes into unconsciousness as a, as a method of protecting itself from the pain. Yeah, of course. So when Kiki was being tortured so severely, he was being burnt. He was, every every bone in his body was almost broken. His arms were broken. His jaw was broken. His ribs were caved in. He had been, uh, he had been violated with a broomstick. Uh, I mean, a, a horrible, horrible torture. Like, he died, like, Jesus Christ did on the, on, the Christ, yeah, on the cross. On the cross. So anyway, to keep him alive so they could keep interrogating him, the doctor was inject, inject, injected him with lidocaine right into his heart. And the lidocaine, of course, is a, um, a stimulant, a very strong stimulant that causes the heart to fibrillate faster, which brings blood up to the brain, which brings the person back to consciousness. 
so that, that they were doing that so they could keep interrogating him. All right. Oh so God. anyway, uh, so I, I kidnapped this guy. And of course, the DEA, after because it was a black operation, nobody was supposed to know. I went in, we went into Mexico, we kidnapped him and brought him out. Of course, when he when we bring him in and he goes before the magistrate, he starts yelling, I was kidnapped, I was kidnapped. And every reporter in the courtroom ran out and it made world news. Mm-hmm. So when DEA was asked about the kidnapping of this doctor, they threw me under the bus. They said that the kidnapping of the doctor was conducted by a rogue renegade agent, Hector Boreas, without headquarters knowledge and authorization. So they actually so gave your name. Be, they actually gave your name in the press? They actually gave my name. Oh. You actually gave my name. You can go back to 85, look at the Washington Post report by name. They said that I had done it without headquarters knowledge and authorization. And so you're, they you're, threw me totally under the bus. Your name, your photo, everything is out there. That's all the criminals can get that information about you right now. Absolutely. So Absolutely. That, now that's endangering your safety, of course. Absolutely. So, of course, what 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 what, what does Mexico do? They immediately get a warrant for my arrest. So now you're wanted in Mexico. You're wanted in Mexico for kidnapping, a yes. kidnapping that our government sanctioned and asked you to do. That they that went back and said, that's- this man is a rogue agent. So this is something you did. You just came up with this in the, uh, on a Sunday afternoon, not thinking. It wasn't our government that told you to do this. And that's what they're trying to paint that picture, correct? That is correct, sir. Okay. It's totally correct. When we come back, we'll have more from Hector Barrellas in this riveting interview about his book, the Last Narc. You're listening to the Nahara in America podcast, the podcast that isn't afraid to tell it like it is to people who aren't afraid to hear like it is. You can listen to us on Revolver Podcasts or wherever you find your finer podcasts. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Coming back with more of Hector Burles' The Last Narc. Of course, the Mexican government, when my own agency throws me under the bus, they go out and get an arrest warrant for me. And not only do they get an arrest warrant for me, they actually ask for my extradition. When President Clinton basically took, took office, the first foreign president he met was Salinas de Gortari, the president of Mexico. Mm-hmm. During their meeting, Salinas de Gortari requests that Clinton surrender me to his government for qualified ki- kidnapping and violating Mexican sovereignty. So now. And the president and President Lincoln, and this is all history, it's all quoted. I mean, yeah. uh, it can be it can be looked up, basically stated that the thought of a DEA agent kidnapping a Mexican national wanted to make him wanna vomit. So referring to me. Clinton said that the thought of uh, American DEA agents kidnapping a Mexican national, he found so horrendous he felt the need to vomit, correct? That's exactly his words. Oh. Houston, and it was even quoted in the Houston newspaper. So this is, this is right? you're, you're, you know, uh, talking as, uh, you've been betrayed by our government a few times, of the deporting of your mother to the, the death of your great, 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 relative by Kit Carson and his groups, land pirates. And then now you're dealing with an actual um, betrayal again. That is, that, is, that is totally correct. I guess it was in my DNA to just be betrayed by my government. I guess yeah. my family is just in our DNA. We, we just get betrayed by our own government. It's uh, it's okay? your karmic your karmic dharma or whatever you want to call it. So, so now what's happening is all this is going on. You're still trying to investigate the Kiki Camarena murder. 
correct? Absolutely. I continue to investigate the murder of, of, of Camarena. Now, what's the As surprise? I continue the yeah, investigation. I want, I want to know the surprise that you're finding, because now you're you're investigating this. You understand the official story is that uh, Kiki Camarena was set up by the Mexicans, taken and tortured and killed by the Mexicans. What is our involvement, if any, in any of this? Is this what you discover? Well, first of all, I had worked in Mexico, and I knew the agent that ran the Buffalo marijuana fields that were destroyed um, in Chihuahua, which was the biggest destruction of marijuana ever in the history of drug enforcement. They destroyed over 10,000 tons of marijuana. And I was told when I first took over the Camarena murder case that Kiki was killed because the traffickers were mad because they blamed him for the destruction of the Buffalo Chihuahua fields. And they were very mad at him. And that's why they had Kiki kidnapped, tortured, and murdered. But when I talked to my compadre, DEA agent Charles Lugo, who ran the raised in Buffalo out of Mexico City, I asked Charlie, I said, Charlie, I said, what did Kiki have to do with the marijuana fields? With the Buffalo marijuana fields? He said, nothing. He said, I landed the raids, the agents out of Hermosillo and 10 of our D agents out of Mexico City with the mixed feds and the soldiers. We did the raid. Kiki did not participate in the raids. And I asked him, well, why do they say that Kiki was kidnapped by the traffickers, interrogated and tortured because they were mad because he was responsible for the, the destruction of the marijuana fields? He said, I don't know, Hector, but you know what? You better be careful with that. You better you better check that out. Kiki was not ever there. I ran it. You know I ran it. I said, I know. I, I, I never heard that Kiki was involved. And now I'm investigating his murder. And I'm being told the motive for the traffickers to kill him is because they were mad at him because they blamed him for the destruction of the marijuana field. He said, if they blamed him, I don't know how they would blame him. Kiki was not involved. I said, okay, whatever. So I, from the very beginning, when I took over his murder investigation, I... I was very circumspect. I said, "What is going on here?" Because you're you're you know? you're, you're you're coming in with with the information they've given you, but at the same time, your investigation, you're finding this isn't true. These the, the motive isn't even that, true. That's correct. Well, here's here's what what, what happened. I, I I knew that the DFS was involved. That's the the Mexican CIA, basically. Which yeah, that, 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 the the DFS is a director of federal security, which is Mexico CIA. Mm-hmm. I knew of them. I. I, I worked around them in Mexico, and I knew that they worked under the ages of the CIA. They were trained by the CIA. Basically, they worked for the CIA. So I knew that the DFS were the ones that picked Kiki up. I knew it because I had already recruited a witness that was in the car, Renato Romero, who was in the car when they picked up Kiki Camarena in front of the U.S. consulate. So I uh, right away, obviously, focused on investigating members of the DFS. When I started investigating members of the DFS, because I knew, no doubt, they were involved in Kiki's kidnapping. I knew. I find out that there's an American, eight American person working for the DFS in Guadalajara. And I thought, wow, this is strange. What is this American doing working with the DFS in Mexico? So I asked one of my sources, I says, who is this guy? He says, oh, his name is Larry Harrison. They call him uh, Torre Blanca, White Tower, because he's a communication specialist. He's the one that sets up the repeaters and air-to-ground communications for the DFS, the military, and also for the drug lords. So he, and I said, he's saying for the drug lords as well? So he's, he's working for yes, both Yes, because sides. the drug lords and the DFS work hand-in-hand. Hand. They're all working together. Mm-hmm. The, the DFS and the drug lords share radio communications and uh, repeaters, radio repeaters and all of that. 
So then I become very suspicious, and I said, hmm. I said, do you know this guy? And he says, I know him personally. Why? What do I have put him on the phone with me? Tell him I want to talk to him. This is after I had kid Dr. Mashine and, and my, my kidnapping had made world news. Mm-hmm. So my informant travels and he meets with this guy, Larry Harrison, puts him on the phone with me, and we speak in perfect English like you and I are speaking. And I said, Mr. Harrison, you know who I am. I'm Hector Perez in charge of uh, investigating Kiki's murder. He says, I know who you are. Everybody knows who you are. You've been all over the news, dude. Mm-hmm. He says, you're wanted here in Mexico. And I says, yeah, I'm wanted in Mexico. He says, I need to talk to you. And he said, I'm not going to talk to you. He says, yes, you are. He said, no, I'm not. And I said, Larry, if you don't come, I swear, dude, I'm going to kidnap your white ass. Those words. He says, what? You're going to keep my, you just say you're going to kidnap my white ass? He says, I'm going to repeat it one more time. If you don't come and talk to me, I'm going to kidnap your white ass. Understand that? Can I say it any clearer? Mm-hmm. And he says, I'm going to, I'm going to hang up on you, dude. You're pissing me off. And he hung up on me. Yeah. So immediately I called him back and I, and he came back on the phone and he says, he says, are you serious? Are you really going to kidnap me? And I said, I swear to God, dude, and I was going to kidnap him. I'm going to kidnap your ass. I don't give a shit. I'm going to kidnap your ass. So he said, okay, okay. He says, I'll talk to you. <laughs> so to make a long story short, he comes up and he, and we talked. I brought him in. I, I sent a Learjet. We brought him in, flew him into LA. On, of course, to, totally in secret. Mm-hmm. And when I sit down face to face with him, he tells me, you know, you have to understand, Hector, he says, we killed Camarena. And I said, look, guy, maybe you killed Camarena. Don't say we, don't include me. He said, no, no, no. That's not what I mean. I mean, our government killed Camarena. And I says, what are you talking about? He says, dude, don't you know who I am? Don't you know where I work? You really don't know what you're doing, do you? I work for the CIA. I'm a CIA operative. I said, oh, my God. He says, what do you think? I wanted all this secrecy. Now I'm a double agent. Now I'm talking to you. Now I can't go back to my agency. But now that I'm here, I'm pissed at what they did to Kiki, and I'm going to tell you everything. So he's, he he's angry at what happened to Kiki. He's he's in he's, he's working for the CIA, and now the right. truth is going to come out. You're going to get to hear the truth, Hector. So Now I us. have a double agent on my hands. Now what does he say? And he starts telling me about how the CIA had partnered up with the cartels and using the cartels to transship weapons to the Contras via Caro Quintero's ranch in Veracruz. Mm-hmm. And he starts telling me that he was the one that set up the air, I mean, uh, ground communications with airplanes that were coming in from South America loaded with cocaine. And that he knew that they were transshipping, they were using the Caro Quintero's ranch in Veracruz to transship weapons, heavy military weapons, secretly to the Contras in Nicaragua. This is what all of the North said they, and they, they form a partnership, and he tells me, he said, "This is this is this is what's going on." It was still going on at the time him and I are talking, mm-hmm. and he said, "Camarena found out about Veracruz." And they thought that he was going to spill the goods on them. As you know, Oliver North and the Bush administration were already already on the ropes. That it was like happening back then. When we come back, we'll have more from Hector Barrellas in this riveting interview about his book, Last Night. You're listening to the Nahara in America podcast. The podcast that isn't afraid to tell it like it is to people who aren't afraid to hear like it is. You can listen to us on Revolver Podcasts or wherever you find your finer podcasts. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. 
coming back with more of Hector Burles's The Last Narc. And the Bush administration yes. were already already on the ropes. That it was like happening back then. They're on the ropes for selling weapons to Iran, missiles to Iran. And they do not want the fact that they're involved in drug trafficking to support the counter war illegally, secretly. Uh, this is why they picked up Kiki, because they thought that Kiki might might have found out about it, known about it, and was going to report it. And he says, that's the real reason why Kiki got picked up. And he tells me, one of the main interrogators was a CIA operative, one of the guys that interrogated Kiki Camarena. So you're saying... It blew my and, mind. And this is all in your book. It, you know, yes. For those listening, I yes. would say, get Hector Bareilles' book, The Last Narc. I've been reading it. It's an incredible read. It's so fascinating. And I think, personally for me, um, it it kind of tells you your, your worst fears about corruption, even in our own government. Uh, it's it's a it's an amazing indictment. So I'm blown away. I mean, I, I'm like, is this going fifty one fifty? Am I dealing with a crazy guy here? What am I dealing with? Mm-hmm. So I called Washington and I said, "Listen, I, I'm I'm hearing this story. It's an incredible story. Of course, I'm on a secure line." Yeah. And they say, uh, Hector, he says, I think you're dealing with a 5150. I think the guy's nuts. What do you think? I said, I don't know what to think. But he looks sane to me. But Jesus Christ, the thing he's telling me is that we killed Kiki. Yeah. He said, well, what do you think we should do? And I said, I think we should polygraph him. And I think the head examiner, the top, the guy in charge of our ex- polygraph examination unit should, should be the one to polygraph him. Mm-hmm. He said, okay, fly him up here. I flew him up there with two of my agents. They polygraphed him for three days. Three days of polygraphing this guy. He came back with his arms black and blue, both arms, from the pressure cuffs. Mm-hmm. And guess what? He passed it with flying colors. So he was not lying? Nope. No, sir. Okay. So he comes back, and then I said, okay, you got to testify to all this stuff. I get him to the attorney's office so that he can be pre-interviewed before he's actually put on the stand to testify. Mm-hmm. And one of the prosecuting attorneys, federal attorneys, said, Larry, I'm going to ask you, the first question I'm going to ask you on the stand is, is your full name Loris Harrison? What are you going to answer? He said, I don't know. He said, what do you mean you don't know? He says, aren't you Lawrence Harrison? He says, no, I'm not Lawrence Harrison. Or who are you? He says, my name is Gregory Marshall Davis. You know the old Davis chief of police? Yeah. LAPD. Mm-hmm. He was an old, he's, you know, he tells us he was used to be my uncle and I work for the CIA and Larry Harrison is the assumed name that the CIA gave me. So the prosecutor looks at me and says, did you, did you fingerprint this guy? And I said, yes. How come you didn't catch this? I said, because the prince come back to Larry Harrison. So he says, are you lying to me, Larry? He says, no, I'm not lying to you. I'm, I'm really not Larry Harrison. That's my CIA assumed name. That's all in my book, what I'm telling you. Mm-hmm. So then Prosecutor says, take him right now and pol- uh, fingerprint him again. I want to know who, who this guy really is. So I go back. I fingerprint him again, run the prints again. Under now, George Gregory Marshall, whatever. And the fingerprints match. So the only way that any American can have two sets of identities with the same fingerprints is because a, because a government agency gave you that. Yeah, so then he, I knew 100% that he was CIA. So he's CIA. You figure that out. That's for, that's a fact. He said the CIA right. was behind this uh, killing of Kiki Camarena, and he passed a polygraph. That's pretty substantial 
and damning information you've got there. Did you ever at one point go, or did they ever approach you and say, stop the investigation? Yes, many times. Okay, so they don't want this investigation out at all. Now, you put this investigation and everything in your book, The Last Narc. And actually, it's it's also on Amazon Prime. You have a you have a documentary about that. Can you tell us about that? Yes, we also have a documentary by the same title, The Last Narc. Mm-hmm. And uh, Amazon was very concerned about the information because we knew that this information was still being covered up to this day is being covered up. Mm-hmm. And they were very concerned. Yeah. Who is arming these cartels? Today? I'm talking to you six months ago. I'm talking today. Who is arming these cartels? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, we're, I these mean, weapons. You don't, you don't get those weapons at a uh, at a gun. You cannot buy them at the neighborhood gun store. No, thank or, you. You cannot get them at a at a gun show either. Mm-hmm. So obviously, a foreign government must be arming these cartels. Now, in the eighties and nineties, I know the CIA was arming the, the Guadalajara cartel. Mm-hmm. I know that. Okay. Now, nowadays, I don't know because I'm no longer with DEA. It's, it's no longer my responsibility to investigate this. So I don't know who's arming him right now. But it's got to be some foreign government because I'm telling you, you cannot buy these weapons at the neighborhood gun store. Well, those weapons. You- so it's got to be some foreign government. And I suspect that it might still be the CIA that's arming these cartels. I think it's pretty obvious. <laughs> it's, they're, 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 first of all, those are, are weapons we manufacture. There's, there's, it's got to be coming from us. I mean, it's not that the Russians have their own weapons. Chinese have their. I mean, every foreign government has their own weapons. Those are American weapons. They're, they're in the hands of the top cartels. And that's a subject, Rick. Mm-hmm. There's a sub. That's a subject that nobody wants to touch. Yeah. Now, Gary Holder was subpoenaed before, before Congress to, 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 to be asked about the, the how these weapons were getting to Mexico. And remember, he chose not to appear, and was held in contempt of Congress. Remember that's not too long yeah. ago. No, no. That was I, last administration. That was the, during the Obama administration. What are they hiding? Yeah, didn't they just recently uh, indict a, a Mexican general? They indicted a Mexican general and they turned him loose. And they turned him loose, which I thought was odd when they, they invited him. Indicted him. That's a very serious crime. You know, for him to get away and where they turned him loose, that oh. struck me as something very corrupt going on too. Hector, you one one of the last chapters of your book, you talk about a woman whose son has been captured and killed by the cartels. Will you tell me that? Tell me, take me back to that moment. Well, uh, well you know, she was asked, "How is this war going to stop?" And she basically answers, "When our our governments stop being corrupt." You know, here's here's the thing: we are all being betrayed by our governments. We're being betrayed because of this. Every year, over ninety thousand people die of fentanyl and methamphetamine overdoses. Nothing is being done, and nothing is being said, even by our press about all these people that are dying. Over 90,000 people every year. That's more than we lost in Vietnam. Just every year, Americans die of, of, of methamphetamine, overdose, methamphetamine overdoses and fentanyl. The precursor drugs that are used to manufacture these very potent opiates come from China. People don't say anything about the Chinese or, uh, syndicates, called crime syndicates, working hand-in-hand with the Mexican cartels. And who's the victims? We are. We're all being betrayed. This is so, uh, something that cannot be ignored. The DEA is being kept quiet about all of this. I am here, and I will say it as loud as I can. There is corruption in this government also. You know, I'm always being asked about, oh, Mexico's corrupt at all levels of the government. And I said, yes, they are. They're very corrupt. And I always say, but guess what? 
we could teach the Mexicans lessons on corruption were also very corrupt. Let me tell you something. In the 80s and 90s, we inundated our own people with crack cocaine. We caused a cocaine epidemic. And everybody now knows it. And this thing that Kiki Camarena was killed by the drug lords, that's a fallacy. Yes, the drug lords participated. I'm not going to say Caro Quintero and Ernesto Fonseca and Felix Gallardo didn't participate. Yeah, they used them. They were there. But who gave the order? And do you think the cartels alone would have dared picking up a DEA agent in plain daylight in front of the U.S. consulate if they didn't have permission protection by both yeah. governments? No, of course. It's, it's, That's why they picked up Kiki. And that is something that to this day, they're very upset with me because I'm bringing this out. Well, and I'm not going to stop even if they kill me because that was a very big injustice, a very big betrayal to Kiki, to Kiki's family, to me. And to all the American public that is listening to me right now, we've all been betrayed and continue to be betrayed with this drug menace. Well, Hector, I just want to, you know, I want to stop the interview there and just thank you for your service. Thank you for being the man you are. I had the privilege of having lunch with you just the other day, and I knew you were a story. You're an amazing man. It's an amazing story. Your book, everyone, please get Hector Brellis's The Last Narc. Expect more from this man. Uh, there's a lot of things in, in work and happening. Get the story out and and to really shine a spotlight on a, on the drug war that seems to be a war more on people than sometimes drugs. Hector, thank you so much to come on the show. We have to have you back. Thank you for coming on Heron America. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you for having me, sir. Have a nice day. You too, Hector. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. You're listening to the Nahara in America podcast. The podcast that isn't afraid to tell it like it is to people who aren't afraid to hear like it is. You can listen to us on Revolver Podcasts or wherever you find your finer podcasts. Join us next week for more on Heron America.